girl. Hey, girl. Hi, we forgot to say our names last time. Hi, Julian Pensavale. Oh, hi, Patrick Hines. How are you? I am great. So, we never do this, but we're going to start this episode with news. Number one, my podcast hero, Miss Rebecca Lavoy, <clears throat> who is like my, she, you know, like gays have drag mothers. Yeah. She's like my, my podcast drag mother. Okay. I love her so, I love her She's to pieces. Absolutely fantastic. Oh my God. She is the producer slash co host of, of Crime Writers On, which largely inspired this podcast. Yeah, maybe you've heard of yeah. it. <laughs> It's only one of the most popular. I know true crime podcasts on the ever. internet, and I love them all. Kevin and Lara and Toby. Yes, I love them all so much. And so Rebecca has started a new podcast, or she's in, in the process of. It's called HGTV and Me. So she, Rebecca, loves HGTV. She watches it while she edits, and so she made a podcast. And it's it's this whole thing of it's like the exploring everything weird and wonderful about HGTV. Sure. So she she like talks to her friends, and she talks to her husband Kevin Flynn, who's another co-host of Crime Writers On. Steve and I are on a segment every every episode, or we think it's going to be every episode, where we like watch an HGTV show and we just give commentary. And it's like a you know we watch a thirty minute show and she edits it down to like four or five minutes, and right. it's just like the funniest moments. Anyway, you guys check. Check it out. Download it. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You can go to HGTVpodcast.com. Um, and you can hear more of me. But more importantly, you can hear more of Rebecca's brilliant work. Amazing. Okay. One last thing. You had a house guest. I had a house guest who, quite frankly, refused to leave my home. <laughs> what was his name again? His name. Let me see if I get this right. Lin-Manuel Miranda. <laughs> Came to your house for four hours and got drunk. Yeah, in the middle of the day. In the middle of the day and like talked about all... So everybody, Jillian has another podcast <laughs> called The Hamilcast. And it's, you know, doing gangbusters with this whole Lynn thing. Well, you thanks. made four episodes? Yeah, it's going to be three episodes that's like a straight like normal episodes where it's like just Lynn and me hanging out uh, in my living room with my husband Mike. Mike Smith, he was my co-host for this. And then the fourth episode, because we had so much... It's going to be the Lynn B-sides. So it's going to be like non sequiturs and outtakes and things that just like need more explanation because yeah. we were drinking a very delicious but very deadly cocktail in the middle of the <laughs> afternoon on a Thursday. And it was awesome. So check out Hamilcast.com. D- download, subscribe to the Hamilcast anywhere you get yeah. your podcasts. It was really <laughs> exciting. Thanks. Hi, Jillian Pantamali. Hey, Patrick Hines. Oh my God, what are we talking about today? Tall, hot, blonde. Should we just jump in? Let's just jump in. The documentary just jumps in. Yeah, totally. So this is basically uh, Catfish, pre-Catfish. It came out a year before Catfish. Oh, did it? Yeah, a year before Catfish. Oh. And it happened a couple of years before the Catfish thing happened. I didn't realize that. Yeah. And this is more true crimey than Catfish because, unfortunately, this story ends in murder. Can you say what you want on the internet? So I told her I was 18. The internet became his world. It allowed him to be something that he wasn't. And uh, so all of a sudden, he was an 18-year-old Marine. She said they both had uh, video cams, and they sent each other pictures of their, you know, stripped down for each other. And she did it over and over again. There, There is a cruelty a vileness to her conduct that is just indescribable. I just told her if I would come down there and hurt, physically hurt her, or I would take something away from you that you love, meaning her mom, I would come down and hurt her mom. How do you do that to a stranger? And how can you do that to your child? 
So it, the, the movie starts with this weird sort of device where we find out that the person, the kid who died, is the narrator. So they have like an actor right. doing this kid's voice. His name is Brian Barrett. And it's weird. Not the actor, the victim. Right, exactly. Right. But we're just going to go with it because we have no choice. I don't love it, but we're just going to go with it. You can say anything you want online, and that's why I'm dead. Executed at the age of 22. I just want to say that I think this voiceover actor is a little over the top. She was tall, hot, blonde. Add deadly to that. Yeah, he was probably, <laughs> some of that I think might be in the direction. Because you know they had that, that poor guy in the booth for hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Saying yeah. lines like, the true story I'm about to tell you begins with a lie 1,500 times. <laughs> And then you think you're saying it differently and then you listen to it back and you sound you're saying the same thing over and over and over again. All right. So go ahead. What do we learn right at the top? All right. So Brian tells us about his co-worker, Thomas Montgomery, who looks like a Simpson. <laughs> he looks like a Simpson. He looks like a So two things. To, <laughs> two things to note right away. I've never made you laugh that hard. That's my favorite thing you. I just because it's such a funny word. He looks I know. like a Simpson. That's but does he not look like a Simpson? He looks like a Simpson. Like right like down to the point he knows. I, I know. I oh know. my god, I love it. Yeah. So Brian, the voiceover tells us that Brian and Thomas worked together at some. They just basically like made machine parts. It's yeah. a super boring like assembly. <laughs> they're line called job. machinists, which sounds super sexy until you realize they're making like yardsticks. I met Montgomery when I started working at the Dynabraid factory. It's near Buffalo. He showed me the ropes, even invited me to meet his family. The work at Dynabraid was pretty dull. We all had escape dreams. What we learn about Thomas Montgomery is that he always wanted to be a Marine, and he was in the Marines, but he never saw any action, which is uh-huh. something he really wanted, which is something that I think should be looked at if you want to <laughs> see action and when you're in the military. Correct. And then the voiceover is like, the only thing the military gave Thomas was a drinking problem. Montgomery loved to reminisce about his days as a Marine. I used an M14, an M16, 50 caliber, uh, sniper rifle. He never did see live combat. Instead of medals, he left the military with a drinking problem. But he was this, like, model citizen. He taught Sunday school. He never had a parking ticket. Uh-huh. Neighbors are shocked to realize that he murdered somebody. <laughs> well, actually, I thought he was one of the nicest neighbors that we had. It was a shock when we found out what happened. Believe me. <laughs> so then we meet Ken Case, the prosecutor. He's like the one, and he's like the one person who's above a six in this whole entire movie. <laughs> he is also just like, you guys. <laughs> His whole tone is like, right? Seriously? You all believe that the person you were talking to on the internet was exactly who they said they were? Um. So Ken sort of tells us that I love this, where he was like, well. <laughs> Uh, Thomas wasn't hated, but he wasn't necessarily liked at work. Not not hated um, by his fellow employees, but people just thought he was a little awkward. Um, so his whole tone is like, seriously? Yeah. <laughs> the documentary needs to be made about this. It's very obvious what happened. Although to me, I was on the edge of, I did not know I'm what was shocked. coming. I was along for the ride. So then we learn a little, so, you know, while... Tom Montgomery on the outside, perfect father, perfect family, very active in the community. We learn that his marriage is falling apart. Yeah. He is impotent. I, and by the way, he feels the need to explain to us what impotency is. Right. And it's, re- it's really uncomfortable. I was like, girl, we know what it is. You don't have to tell us. We get it. Right. 
I mean, I had a desire, but there was times I just couldn't do anything because it was like I put so much pressure on myself that maybe that doing this, we could get back together, but sex in a relationship is only part of it. There's communications, the other part. He's very... um vocal and descriptive we learn as a trend <laughs> when he's just talking about sex it's true oh my god it's I'll just, true we'll just leave that right there yep, and we'll get back yep, to yep. it in a little bit so he just goes on he's sort of lamenting there's no communication in his marriage they uh-huh. don't have a good sex life and he's talked to any everyone about it but there was just throw my hands up there's nothing to do about it uh-huh uh-huh so i'm gonna go into a poker like an online gaming chat room and start talking. That's really his solution. Most of the times when I was on there, I, I, I played Texas Hold'em and played poker in some of the game rooms. And it made me relax. I could talk to people that I, was, I knew I was never going to meet face-to-face and never see. And you could tell them things back and forth, you know. You know, that, you know you're having problems and this and that. So he meets this, like, the screen name Tall Hot Blonde. She, they start talking back and forth. Well, yeah, her name is Jessie. Right. Re- Jessie with an I. Yeah. They realize, or he is told. And so he's like, oh, she's like, hey, you shouldn't be here. This is, this is like a, a kid's room. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, if you're online gaming, you have to be 18 anyway. So right, that's exactly. number one, Jessie. Yeah. Uh, Jessie in air quotes. So because he's basically, like, scared of Chris Hansen knocking on his door. <laughs> right. Instead of leaving the room... <laughs> He tells her that he's 18 too. Uh huh. And I panicked because I heard about all the stings on the internet. I didn't want to become involved in that. So I told her I was 18. And what is his screen name? Marine Sniper. Marine Sniper. Which is also like, if you are so scared of Dateline, that means you've seen it. And it means that it doesn't matter what you say you are. Right. Chris Hansen will still find you and ask you to come out into the kitchen and have a seat. Like, he will do that. doesn't matter what you say. Right. That's it's the point. It's- that is the point. So he decides to stick around in the group and talk to underage people, or yeah. at least this one person. And the first day they, quote, meet, Jesse is sending him bikini photos. The first time we talked, she sent me a couple pictures of her in uh, swimsuits. I mean, the first day, she shipped them out to me. And I mean, like I said, they were, they were, they weren't pornographic pictures, but they were, they were provocative. And my favorite part was when, like, she was like, "What do you look like?" He sends her his military photo exactly. from thirty years ago. Yeah, from when. So he's putting himself in the mindset of what he actually did look like when he was eighteen. So online, Montgomery pretended to be a young, brave marine headed off to boot camp. He gave himself a new name, Tommy. I mean, I knew I was never going to meet this girl, and I could, you could say what you want on the internet. Now they're corresponding. She's sending him very, like, sexy photos. They look like what you would submit to Playboy. <laughs> well, but she's wearing clothes. She is, but they, it looks very, it's very, it's like, where do, where are you getting these professional photos uh-huh. taken of you in a mini skirt? There it's like, it's just <laughs> short enough and it's just, I just don't understand. It's just not like, shaming her in any way. No, I was just going to say that like, it was, it was just a simpler time. Like now you'd get those photos and you'd be like, okay, this is bold. This is nonsense. Right. You like poach them from someone's professional right. photographer. But at site. the time you're like, oh, I guess this is what people do. Yeah. I, yeah. You I, know, and, and he need, again, this is a trend in many of our episodes. He 
needed to believe it was real. Exactly. So he just put it all out of his head. And now she's sending him a locket and underwear, and he's giving her the sob story about his mother. And he doesn't feel loved. They are both giving each other exactly what they need. She's getting the attention. He's getting the nudie pics. Exactly. Also, have we said he's 46? He's 46 years old. Montgomery told Jesse sob stories. All lies. Like how Tommy never felt love ever since his mother died when he was young, and he often thought of suicide. I used to tell her that Tommy didn't have any feelings because he was hurt and he was more of a loner and he was burned a couple of times. So when she started talking to him, she, op- she opened up the, up the gate. Can we spend the next the rest of the episode talking about clinical psychologists? Sure, Rex. Rex. How, do you, how do you say his last name? I think it's Bieber. Is it Bieber? Or Baber? Baber. First of all, the thing that stressed me out the most in this entire documentary was the facial sweating that we were forced to deal with. Turn those hot lights down. He's not the one on trial here. <laughs> It's like he—he's—he's he's he's like a canary. You don't need to sweat it out of Can him. Can somebody dab his forehead? I know. Oh my God! Give this man some powder. I know. I googled him. He's been in other documentaries. Of course he has. Yeah. Bring your own powder next time, Rex. Come camera ready. <laughs> All right, you love him. Talk about him. Well, he's just really very blunt about, like, he. the, the more the documentary goes on, the more we get into him. This is a depressed person, a stimulus-hungry person, in a dead-end marriage and in a dead-end life. A dead-end that would be good enough for many, but not good enough for him, and definitely not good enough for Marine Sniper. So now not only is Jesse sending him a locket, she's sending him like videos of herself set to power ballads. Right. So she lives in West Virginia. He lives like in upstate New York. Right. He has told her that like the reason they can't meet is because he's in boot camp. Then he's been deployed. Right. And now he's like <clears throat> on the battlefield. Now he was deep in enemy territory, protecting Jesse and America. One of the things we find out at this point is that, like, he starts to feel guilty. Like, he starts to saying he's going to end it. Like, it's going too far. It's in too deep. But then we find out that he has proposed to her. At first I thought about it, but then when, when it made me feel good, I figured, you know, it's, she's not going to get hurt. She's a young girl. She'll find somebody else. The other thing he does to end it is to pretend he pretends to be his own father. Because like I said, she was mostly talking to the so-called dad most of the time because Tommy was down in Paris Island. So I tried to end it by telling her, she said, I says, I don't want you talking to him anymore. I'm not going to let you know, send any more, relay any messages for you. And I thought it was going to end, but it didn't. One lie led into another. And like I said, it was just like an addiction. We have to talk about the note that he writes himself. Okay. <laughs> As the affair grew, Montgomery seemed to cross the line between fantasy and reality. Then he wrote himself this bizarre note. He was hiding it at work. It said, On January 2nd, 2006, Tom Montgomery, 46 years old, ceases to exist and is replaced by an 18-year-old battle-scarred Marine. All paperwork is set? He has money in the bank. 2.5 million. He's handsome like a red-headed Harrison Ford. He talked about the size his private parts would be and how he wouldn't be impotent anymore. And then Montgomery wondered, when the transformation would take place so he could prepare. You guys, he wrote this note to himself, put it in a locker. At work. This is what our swampy friend Rex points to as like proof that he's insane, that he is literally merging reality with fantasy. 
that he would believe that means that he took that final step from ordinary fantasy land on the internet through the looking glass hole and into the world of the unreal and he took it seriously oh and he also says he looks like a red-headed harrison ford in that note <laughs> again none of this is true so now cindy mm-hmm. tom's wife getting a little suspicious my wife she would just watch tv like i said we would talk back and forth and she'd come over and see what game i was playing but i could always hit a button to make everything jesse say to uh, be deleted off there I love that Cindy is taking no shit from anybody. Right. She's like, what are you doing? And he's like, nothing. I'm just playing games. But what really confirms her suspicions is when she finds the red underwear. His wife, Cindy, found a package Jesse had sent to Tommy. The red panties inside explained everything. Game over. Cindy's biggest concern is why are you doing this to this poor girl? That, uh-huh. That's really what she is uh-huh. mostly all. Not, and it's just like, uh-huh. like she, she, I think it knows that the marriage is like, ah. Uh, yeah, it's totally. not it's not really working out. They're staying together for the kids. They're doing whatever uh-huh, is working for them uh-huh. in that moment. So what does she do? She writes <laughs> Jesse a letter. And we see the letter and she has amazing penmanship. It's beautiful. Yeah. And she sends a picture like a family portrait where they're right. all like looking off camera. Uh-huh, and it's like, oh uh-huh. my God. Cindy Montgomery was devastated. She wanted a divorce. But first she wrote this letter. Jesse, enclosed you will find a picture of my family. Let me introduce you to these people. The man in the center is Tom, my husband. There is no Tommy. He is taking advantage of you. You need to be much more cautious with your safety. You will only be hurt by a man who has mastered the art of manipulation and lies. Do not trust words on a computer. I know, and the letter, I, I was thinking about this, like, the letter was, it wasn't, like, loving, but it was very... Um, motherly. Motherly. Motherly is the right yeah, word. Yeah, it was, like, she really, truly did have the best interest, because yeah. this girl didn't do anything wrong other than believe this piece of shit. Exactly. That's all, that's her and, big... And again, like, at this point in the movie, I really felt for her, because then all of a sudden, Jesse is devastated. Right. Devastated. Right. And then and then Rex comes in, and, and another truth bomb that he drops is, like, because Tom, from prison is like, actually, I was kind of relieved that uh-huh. Cindy did that. Thomas Montgomery was relieved. The, the identity Marine Sniper was not relieved. At the, at the same time, he's glad that he's caught. Marine Sniper wants to be restored to life. Marine Sniper is somebody inside of Montgomery who has not come out but is desperately struggling to do so. And I'm like, Rex, you genius! You sweaty, sweaty genius! (laughs) Tell me more! Okay, so what happens next? So now Brian, the victim and narrator... The dead kid. Right. Yeah. That's victim. Right. (laughs) It's a nicer way... I mean, victim is a nicer way to say it. He gets involved in the story. Because in a way, we're kind of like, how the hell, how is, how did someone die if it's just the two of them? Uh What is happening? And just a reminder that Brian and Tom work together at this factory. Yes. And Brian actually is. 18, 19 year old kid. Something in the vicinity between 18 and 20. Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, So Brian, here's how Brian is involved. Brian is also in this gaming room. And what's his screen name? Beefcake. (laughs) So just going to leave that there and move on from that. 
Um, I love how he's like, Jesse, remember my screen name, Beefcake. How could she forget a screen name like that? I know. So anyway, so Jesse's like, hey, um, you know, like, do you know this thing about Tommy? Because they all, the three of them used to be in, they used to all be in the same like gaming rooms and they, so she knew him. Right. Yeah. And then she like very quickly, her heart mends Uh (laughs) and now she sets her sights on On Brian. Brian. Jesse was just my type. We got close quick. I could see why Montgomery would have made up anything to talk to a girl like that. She was a world-class flirt. And the same thing. They're in love. She's sending all the photos and the videos with the power ballads. And she is reining this poor kid in. But then she also gets Brian to, like, make fun of him online in those rooms. They report them. They report him to the whoever oversees those things. He gets kicked out of the room. Right. He goes to work and he tells people and people are making fun of him. Yeah. I mean, Jesse convinces Brian to do really mean bullying things. I'm not proud of what happened next, but Jesse had a certain hold over me. She got me to help her make fun of Montgomery online. We went into game rooms and called Montgomery a predator and a loser. He was suspended from playing. And then I decided to tell our co-workers at the factory about how he had lied to Jesse. Tom is not innocent here. Yeah. Let me just go on the record. Yeah. No, of course. He's a fucking murderer. Yeah. And garbage. And and Sweaty Sweaty Rex is like, he, you know, he just tells us that, like, that Tom's ego is not the kind that can tolerate that. Right. Because it breaks the fantasy. He, need, he needs to be able to live in this fantasy. And once the people at work in, in his real life know, then all of a sudden the fantasy's broken. And now you have this like madman who doesn't have a fantasy world to escape into. And he's going to like take it out on the world. Fantasies do not die that easy. He's still Marine Sniper. He still believes, I submit, that somehow he can get back on track. It's still his fantasy that she, that Jesse will say certain words, engage in acts of contrition, and, and, and they will be back together again. So we also learned, too, that Tall Hot Blonde is playing all sides. Yes. Playing both sides against the middle, as yeah, my mom yeah. would say. Because um, then after she gets Brian to do all these things, she's now starting to reconnect with Tom, Tommy. Right, and she's like lying about who she's sexting, and it's and she's all... like acknowledging that she now knows that he's you know a forty eight year old, forty six year old man, but she like then she's still having like weird cyber sex with him. Nothing is more awkward in the world than reading the cyber sex messages. And I know the point is to be descriptive. I know yeah. that's why you're doing it, but it's so it's so gross. It's just it's yeah. We're at your favorite part. This literally had me cry. I texted you because I was crying watching it. And my response was, are you serious? <laughs> I know. Because I didn't know what was going to happen. Yeah. Okay, tell the people. Okay, so now Jesse, she's playing all sides and she is now forgiven Tommy for lying. She's received the letter from the wife and the photo. She knows exactly who she's talking uh-huh, to. Uh-huh. But she is, they're working through their relationship. Uh-huh. And this is when it's like, Thomas Montgomery, wake up. Uh, I know. You seriously think this beautiful 18-year-old girl yeah. is now in love with you? But right. they, it's this very long conversation with ridiculous music behind it. <laughs> Which you're now listening to. Yep. <laughs> so they have this very dramatic conversation in which they sort of like, Jessica begs Tom not to let Tommy die and Ugh. he will always live in you. And if you want to hear a radio play version of it, <laughs> check out our See outtakes. See the outtakes. Because we just acted the <laughs> shit out of it. <laughs> 
<laughs> but it's really like, again, not knowing what was going to happen, it really felt like... It's very dramatic. This l- young girl thought she was engaged to this guy, found out that he wasn't real. It, was, it seemed to be like... The, I was living in this moment. I totally was with it, and I was literally sobbing watching this an hour ago. I saw right through it, and I thought it was total <laughs> bullshit. Maybe the iTunes reviews are right. Maybe I am a monster. <laughs> so... Basically, it's her saying, like, I love my Tommy, and you remind me of Tom, and that's why I've come back to talk to you. But And he's like, I can't be your Tommy. And she's like, I need to let you go. And she's like, I'm ready. Right. Is that the end? No. Oh, of course not. Someone still has to die. So Jesse invites Brian to visit her. Yes. <laughs> and, of course, you guys, we've all seen Catfish. <laughs> it doesn't work out. <laughs> I never did meet with Jesse. She got mad at me, claiming all I wanted was sex. Our relationship was over. I just love, like, in my brain, I heard the U-turn sound. Like, in my brain, he's, like, halfway there and has to, like, flip a U-turn. Stop at the Dunkin' Donuts for a coffee and head home. Totally. Yeah. So, but here's the thing. It's not over with Monty, who I'm calling Thomas Montgomery, (laughs) because now Monty gets wind of the fact that Brian is going to visit her, and then... The IMs that we see on the screen turn vile and mean. And racist. And and racist. I should never have let it slip at work that I was driving to West Virginia to visit the Virgin. I got a text lashing. Seems Montgomery still had a thing for Jesse and her virginity. So here's the thing. Like, we think it's over after that scene where she says goodbye. But then it was like the next day they just keep texting each other. Right. All three. It's all. She's playing both sides against the middle. Yeah. Like, yeah. Monty's texting both Jesse or I aming with both Jesse and Brian. And yeah. at one point, this sort of made me go, hmm. Because Monty's like, so I hear you're going to see her. <laughs> all dramatic. And then Brian's response is, I don't really feel like dealing with her bullshit. I don't know what I want or what I'm going to do with her. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. <laughs> You're not going to do anything that she doesn't want to do, number one. I just thought that was, that's yeah, made yeah, me really yeah. pause and like literally pause. But you know why he's talking like that? Because he's an actual 18 year old kid totally. who's not that invested, you know? And it was kind of like, Guys can sort of, as like awful as they can be, am yeah. I right, ladies uh, and gents <laughs> and whoever, um, they do. They don't really like the drama. The minute they get a whiff of it, they're like, totally. "Dude, yeah." Like to him, she kind of is just another tall, hot blonde. Like you know what I mean? Like yeah. And so he, it just doesn't matter that much to him. And then Tom Thomas is kind of like, "I can't believe you're throwing away our friendship for this girl." And it's like, wait a second. You're like a 48-year-old weirdo. And Brian was just like bullying you at work. I like, know. what is going on? Yeah, it's yeah, yeah, very, yeah. it's so high school. And like they really they all have every, all everyone involved has the mental capacity of a 19-year-old. Wow. So intense. And as it turned out, unnecessary. I never did meet with Jesse. She got mad at me. Our relationship was over. Maybe that's why she went back to Montgomery. She was an attention junkie and quite the vixen now. It, it sounds a little confusing and it sounds like we're going back and forth, but this is really what's happening. Like, he, Brian goes to see her, then she's like, I, you know, you can't come. And then it's, oh, we're not going to talk anymore. And then they're right back into it day uh-huh, after day. Like, uh-huh. all three of them are a little addicted to what's happening. Yeah. Even though at some point Brian's like, oh, I'm done. You yeah, guys yeah, are yeah, all crazy. Yeah, totally. So they do go, it sounds like we're not 
being clear, but it's literally every day it's a different emotion from these uh-huh, people. Uh-huh. So now Jesse goes back to Tommy and like lures him back in. Right. Saying like, I miss my Marine sniper and I can't believe all that we've been through and I can't believe we're not friends anymore. And Monty's like, why, Jesse? Why? <laughs> literally. But this is all on screen text. It's like. I know. We're, so we don't. So in my head, it's so I know. No, no, no. Yeah, totally, totally. Of course. So Jesse's like, can't we just start over as friends? So then they have another dramatic exchange where it's like, hi, (laughs) I'm Tom. (laughs) And she's like, hey, I'm Jesse. I'm 18 and beautiful or whatever. Um, And then it's like, I'm 18 and just graduated. He's like, congratulations. And she's like, thanks, friend. (laughs) Tom, Jesse's not (laughs) Jesse. Oh, enough. So Tom goes back into the chat rooms and sees her flirting with other guys. And that's when he that's the first time he threatens her. And he sees Brian. He she's like, I'm not talking to Brian, I'm not talking to Brian. And then he goes on her MySpace page. Oh my God. MySpace will live on forever in documentaries that came out in the early 2000s. I'm here for it. I know. <laughs> and then, inexplicably, she started messaging me again. Wanted to be friends. Montgomery didn't know. Until he saw my name on Jesse's MySpace page. That's when all hell broke loose. But this is actually really horrible because this flips the switch. Yes. Then he's like, for 10 cents, I will eliminate Brian. Now yeah. he's making death threats Yeah, 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 yeah. Like yeah. straight up, I want, I'm going to kill him. And Jesse's, and, then, like, and Jesse's literally like, OMG, really? Does this make Jesse, air quotes, uh, want to pull away? No. no. She aches for Tommy. She does. But I will say she does at this point say to Brian, like, I think that Tom is dangerous. Heads up. I'm afraid of him. And you can tell that Brian is kind of like not paying that much attention. He's like, oh, yeah, I'm kind of afraid of him, too. Do you think I should tell my bosses? Like, I don't think he's taking any of this very seriously. Right. So then, like, a couple days before the shooting, Jesse does go back on and, like, does end it with Tom. Well. Oh. Oh. She uses the same exact device. Her, quote, mom comes on oh, and talks right. to Tom. She came back and talked to me and saying, my mom wants to talk to you. I said, okay, I'll talk to your mom. She came and talked to me and told me to stay away from Jesse. I said, okay, I will, but please tell her to stay away from me, too. Reciprocate, you know, your request to your daughter. And now Tom and his prison jumpsuit is like well i spoke to her mother and her mother said and i'm like tom you did that to her he fell for it hook like he was so in it and so okay so in the days leading up to the shooting she does kind of like end it with with tom and then kind of disappears because he's getting super intense about these threats and she feels like she's warned brian brian's taking it seriously or not we don't know if they're if brian and jesse are in communication but we do know that like she ends it with tom and then tom is like on the internet for like a couple of days trying to find her and it just says like Tall Hot Blonde has signed off. Yeah, he's like, Jesse, where are you? Where are you? Are you here? Right. Yeah. So then on the day of the shooting, what's the date? It's, they just, they literally say Friday night, 10 p.m. Right. That's all it says. Yeah. Um. So Friday night, 10 p.m., Brian leaves work. Now, mm-hmm. once again, Brian and Tom work at the same place. Mm-hmm. So he leaves work and he gets into his truck, which apparently is parked in the rear of the parking lot. Mm-hmm. And someone approaches from behind and just shoots him. Like, shoots him, like, three times. Right. And Ken, the prosecutor, says it was a cold-blooded, methodical execution. Yeah. Just like a Marine would yeah. do. It was a beautiful, quiet uh, September day. And I uh, walked up to the car, and I saw three bullet holes. The window was closed. The driver's window was closed, and there were three bullet holes in it. He was sitting on the driver's seat, and he was slumped sideways, uh, 
not quite on the steering wheel, but over towards the right side. Um, his arms were at his side, so you could see the one hole here, and there was a huge hole in his neck, and it was, he was just covered with blood. There was blood all over the front seat of the car. Um, it was a cold-blooded, methodical uh, execution. And yeah. it's absolutely heartbreaking, and because it was the weekend, his body wasn't found until Monday. I mean, it says literally that because he had no plans for the weekend, his body wasn't found until Monday. I'm I cannot. Chills. This is heartbreaking. I can't believe a couple of things. Does his factory close down for the weekend? Right. Where's his? Mu- I mean, where his parents? Nobody looked for him for the weekend. Maybe people were looking. They don't tell us. Maybe right. people yeah. were looking. Yeah. He it's just true. wasn't discovered. But if they were looking, wouldn't you go to work? Yeah, that'd be like the first place you would look. Right. Yeah, it's weird. It seems weird. Who knows if like I don't know if he lived at home. I don't know what the deal was. Yeah, they don't explain that, which I'm kind of like, really? It is kind of a weird thing that like a whole two days would go by. And you nobody... post every transcript of any every right. text that they've sent. But you but can't you... give us like 30 seconds of like why he wasn't discovered. From yeah. The... yeah. A couple of things about the crime scene that we'll find out later. Oh, yeah. So this like Marine who's like a human machine gun, like, you know, what leaves a peach pit. You guys. <laughs> a peach pit. Since Montgomery wasn't confessing, and there were no eyewitnesses, the investigation intensified. Montgomery's computer was confiscated. Experts found thousands of IMs that he had saved. There was a peach pit left at the murder scene. It matched Montgomery's DNA. A gun clip left by the truck was traced to Montgomery as well. First of all, just the mere fact that this man's about to kill somebody and he's eating a peach. Well, the thing is, I think it's a little bit, I'm sorry, Rex, if I'm stepping on your toes, please come tell me. But I think it's a little bit, he didn't want to be Tom Montgomery anymore. If he's uh-huh. arrested for murder, then he doesn't have to live his life anymore. And just one more thing that with the methodicalness of it all. Not a word. Um, yeah. <laughs> he slashes Brian's tires. Uh-huh. I think that Thomas Montgomery still viewed himself very much as a Marine, um, as a sniper. I think he planned these things out. As a matter of fact, um, when we found Brian's car, the... Um, passenger rear tire of his truck was flattened, um, which then made Brian, I hate to say this, but I mean, made Brian a, a sitting duck. And those are the kinds of things that Thomas Montgomery would have put the thought into. So immediately, once they find his body, Tom is the number one suspect, but they can't find him. So they think that he has gone to find this Jesse woman. Mm-hmm. And so they immediately like alert the police in West Virginia. This like poor police officer goes to her house, knocks on the door. Jesse's mother answers. This is so reminiscent of catfish. I'm, I, I was scream. waiting for Angela to answer the door. I know, you know, they're long fa- with her long hair that she has to cut because of the fake cancer. <laughs> Angela, I'm still mad at you. So the mom like concocts it. She's like, uh, the police officer's like, is your daughter here? And like she's through like, tears, like all nervous. And she's right. like, no, what time? What, what, no, what, my, she doesn't live here. She's this far away. I don't know how to reach her. Yeah. like yeah, She was nervous. Um, you could see her eyes starting to tear up a little bit. You could tell that something was wrong. So then finally the mom breaks down. She's like, it was me. I've been pretending to be my daughter on the Spoiler. internet. Spoiler. I screamed. I mean, as soon as they went to the mom's house, I was like, it's totally the mom. But here's what makes me furious. Yeah. This woman, her name is Mary Shiler. <laughs> Never forget that name. Putting you on blast right now, Mary. I hate you. She <laughs> was using her daughter as bait, and someone is was killed because of it. And they kept saying, like, when they 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 took her computer and they found all like a treasure trove of pictures of her daughter. When police confiscated Mary Shiler's computer, they found some pretty disturbing stuff. There were hundreds and hundreds of pictures of Jesse. 
It was like she'd been stalking her daughter with a camera. Many of the photos were obviously taken without Jesse's knowledge. But most troubling of all, it turned out Mary was sending pictures to several men, not just Montgomery and me. There was even a video clip. Mary had somehow taken a compromising shot of her daughter's miniskirt and emailed it, asking guys, do you like it? And yeah. of course, Tom was like shocked when they tell him in prison. I'm like, Tom, Tom you're, you're such an idiot. idiot. Jesus Christ, Tom. I know when the deputies first told him when we had him in the interview room, you know, do you realize that all of what has happened was all a fantasy? That, you know, she's not 18 years old. She's, you know, 46 years old. And he didn't say a word. They said the blood drained from his, from his head and he turned the color of the walls, which was a pasty white. But, like, the mom is a, is a total horrible monster. The thing that I will say about the mom, though, is that they found the world's most unflattering photo of her. Oh, I know. <laughs> Usually I'm just like, that's gross. I know. They found this like black and white photo of her in a sweater, just like frowning. Yeah, good. (laughs) You fucking piece of shit. Using your daughter as bait. I know. Someone was murdered. And guess what? I know. There are no charges against her. Well, we meet her husband. X. Now Now they say like a recently divorced. (laughs) So I'm just like, yes, girl. But they, first of all, he is like the sweetest man. I know. And he says that the daughter, the real Jessie, found out because her friends were Googling, just on Google, as people were back in the day, like entering anybody's name. People Googled her mother and found, literally, because there's, you know, newspaper articles about it all over the world, and they find out and they brought it to her, and she had to go to her dad and be like, did you, dad, did you know about this? Like, and the dad said it took him. She came and she said, daddy, did you know this? What do you tell your child? How can you say, I didn't have a clue when I didn't have a clue? And I had to talk to her for hours before I could even convince her that I didn't know what her mother had done. I couldn't believe what her mother had done. And now, because the mom, this is insane, the mom did not want to be on camera for an interview because she didn't want Tom to know what she looked like when he gets out of jail. So the mom, the mother is now saying she, wa- or, you know, in 2009, whatever, was saying that right. she wanted to write a book about the dangers of the internet. I hate you. I know. She's the worst. Not you, Mary. No, I know. I'm talking no. specifically yeah, to Mary. So, well, what Mary also bullshit is like, well, I only did it so that he wouldn't talk to an actual 18-year-old. Oh, my God. Oh, really? Then why were you talking to 75 other men in So that they rooms? weren't talking to actual uh, teenagers. You're a put on the sweater. You're the worst. Uh, I hate you. I know. Her defense of why she did it, She says all she ever wanted was to be a good mommy and that she never meant for any of this to happen. She said she was bored and lonely. Her children had grown up, her husband was often gone for work, and she was just trying to have some fun online. She claims the only reason she kept talking to Montgomery was to keep him from talking to real-life teenagers. So then Tom gets a lawyer, and the lawyer smartly anybody who's listened to a true crime podcast knows you take the plea you take the plea you take the plea you take the plea you're not gonna get no matter what you're not gonna get off he did not want to put his daughters through the dilemma of a trial that was probably when we uh started talking seriously about a plea into this case right it's also like i didn't kill anybody right i have all these guns i described how i would kill somebody you guys have the transcripts i'm a marine i really want to kill somebody oh but my I god totally and the way that him. so like the, the gun that he was used to in that the murder was, was this like crazy. rare 
gun. Like military A military-grade rare gun that, like, they didn't find when they did the search of his house. But what they did find was a photo of Cindy with that gun in the background. It's, like, the trashiest picture ever. It is Cindy, I'm sorry. (laughs) Cindy, Cindy, you've been through it. I know. You didn't do anything. You actually tried to do the right thing in this. I get it. But, God, what a trashy picture. Uh, We found an old photograph that was actually a photograph that Thomas took of Cindy um, when they, I think they lived in Florida for some period of time. And in the background of that photograph is this same gun case. Um, and the FBI was able to enhance the photograph to show that there was an M1A1 um, in the in the gun cabinet. Because he's saying that his alibi is that he was home that night. It's the funniest moment where he's like, I have an alibi and my wife and my kids are going to back it up. And Cindy's like, uh-uh, girl. Cindy could not call him out fast enough. I know. She was like, get this piece of shit in prison where he belongs. Cindy's not in the documentary, but like it just was clear that she immediately was like, he was not home. I don't know where. He was out killing a kid. Yeah, like, no, here, do you, here's, the, here's the computer. Take right. all of it. Take it all. Here's the underwear that I found. Take all of it. Cindy, call me. You're awesome. So Tom pl- pl- takes the plea. But manslaughter. So he's only in prison for fucking 20, 20 years. years and the and the, de- attor- the defense attorney is saying that if he hadn't taken that plea he would have gotten 25 to life and he probably would he's only going to be in jail for 17 years if he behaves mm-hmm. he'll get out in his lifetime and he's now saying that he's on appeal he's saying that that he was coerced into, into taking the plea he didn't want to because he didn't do it so even at the very end of this documentary even though he says he wants to know where jesse's mom is he's like she had a hand in this too why isn't she in jail i think she should be sitting where i am I really do. She had a lot to do with this, too. I hate to say it, but I agree with him. But what I'm saying is that sounds like he's admitting that he did it. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. Just like he wanted to end the relationship by fucking proposing to air quotes Jesse. Like, dude, you don't know what the fuck you're doing. This guy doesn't have a lot going for him. He's not, this is not the brightest bulb in the tree. (laughs) Boo-hoo! And look, you know, we were talking about this earlier. There could be, there is a mental health issue here. It is sad. He was so sad and depressed that he had become, he was in love with this fantasy. He became real. I mean, that's a really serious issue. Yeah. I I I understand that. And there's part of it that's heartbreaking all across the board. But then when you see him throughout this entire documentary, not caring, Uh no remorse, Uh lying, guilting his children into lying for him. Like, dude, you suck. I know the worst. Oh, girl, we did it. We did it. People have been asking for this documentary for forever. I know. We did it, you guys. Yay. Yay. So where can they find you? Mm -hmm. At Jillian with a G, all spelled out on the Twitter and all the things. I'm at Patrick Hines on Twitter. Oh, I just opened up all my DMs. You guys can DM me. Anybody Hello. can DM me. Slide into Patrick Hines's DMs. <laughs> um, you can find our website at truecrimeobsessed.com where you can find all of our episodes. We're on Spotify. Don't forget. I'm yes. super. I want to get a t-shirt that says I have a podcast on Spotify. Can we wear it at the same time? <laughs> uh, and I also want to remind you guys to check out HGTV and Me podcast from Rebecca Lavoy, uh, and I'm on it. Yeah. And if you want to hear Lin-Manuel Miranda drunkenly talk about Hamilton and all the things, <laughs> go to thehamilcast.com. It's Lintoberfest hashtag. I'm the worst. Um, what are we doing next time? You guys, we are doing Long Shot. It's on Netflix. I know everyone wants to know where you can get it. It's called Long Shot. I'm obsessed with it. I can't wait. I'm I'm dying to see it. It's brand new. I haven't seen it, but I know the story of it. Oh, my God. And I'm, I'm thrilled they made a documentary about it. Uh, Larry David's involved. <laughs> All right. Here's the trailer, you guys. And stay tuned for amazing outtakes. 
was like any other day. But as soon as I opened the door, I was completely surrounded, like SWAT style. My daughter, she looks up and she says, Dad. I told him, I'm gonna get you out of here. I asked him, do you remember where you were? I was at the Dodgers game. I gotta find the holy grail of Juan's defense. I need to place my client at Dodger Stadium on that night. Juan remembered they may have been filming something there that day. An episode was that I picked up a hooker in the carpool lane and took her to Dodger Stadium. We were in for an enormous fight. The prosecutor they assigned to the case had never lost. She liked to pick off people with the death penalty. I looked at tape after tape. We shot in two sections in Dodger Stadium. There's 56,000 people at this game. How could you possibly be on camera? I wasn't supposed to be at that game, and that would play in my head over and over. I looked for eyewitnesses and the tickets. I could not afford to miss anything. The kids wanted to know when I was coming home, and I didn't have an answer. They're called machinists, which sounds super sexy until you realize they're making like yardsticks. Right. And it wasn't there that Christian Bale movie where he weighed like 15 pounds. Yeah. You can never be skinny enough, but yes. (laughs) Anyway, can we get burgers after this? I'm hungry. Um, Yeah, he's the bad guy. But I will say this. He does know how to take a photo. He There's this photo of him with his shirt off, and he does not have a nice body. Mm-hmm. And he has, like, stacked himself perfectly behind his wife. So <laughs> just he, I was like, girl, I know that move. I know. I know that move. And the hand on the shoulder so that you hide the arm <laughs> yeah. fat. Girl, come on. Do you think that his daughter works as an assistant for Nev Shulman and his brother? Neve! <laughs> the, the vitriol in your eyes just now. <laughs> It's Neve, get it right. Neve, I know you're listening, girl. The facial sweating. I just, I, know. I felt accosted by it. <laughs> it, it was it was personal. It, was, it personally attacked you. I just like, biggest letters, biggest font available. Oh my God, the facial sweating is out of I control. Know. Um, can you do me a favor for the outtakes? Yeah. Can you read that like Warren Jeffs? Yeah. <laughs> do you want me to do it now? Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> On January 2nd, 2006, Tom Montgomery, 46 years old, <laughs> ceases to exist and is replaced by an 18 year old, Battle Scott Marine. Tom, Jesse's not Jesse! It's the mother! You gave it away! Oh, you gave it away. But I did a clean you guys, you it's, the take it it's the mom. You can take it out. Yeah. I'm sorry for all the pain I caused you with my lies. Will you do me a favor? What is that? Don't let Tommy die. He won't die as long as he's in your heart. Let him live in you. You're crying, aren't you? I haven't stopped. You sound like my Tommy. But I can't be your Tommy. I wish you all the happiness in the world. I love you, Jessica, and I always will. <sighs> okay, I'm ready. Okay, honey. Goodbye, Tom. Goodbye, Jessica. What is happening? <laughs> <laughs>